Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. Did she really think that our friendship was just a way of getting her to join our church? Could a friendship of someone for years be destroyed by one conversation with someone who is suspicious of my beliefs? It was a difficult thing for me to wrestle through after investing countless hours, energy, prayer, and a big part of my life. I felt that my motives were misrepresented and twisted into some kind of devious, well-planned scheme to lure in the unsuspecting. I felt misunderstood, but then, wasn't Jesus misunderstood? My name is Fiona O'Brien, and I had the privilege of working in Ireland among a very secular but Christian culture. Ireland is 95% Catholic, but many of the Christians that are in Ireland are immigrants from other countries. It's also been very challenging to share faith in Jesus without suspicion. The story I'd like to share with you today is entitled, It's About People. And the reason that I wanted to share this story with you is because sometimes our motives can become blurred. When we share the truths of the Bible, we want to do it with genuineness, without a hidden agenda. Because so many people have come to Ireland in order to push their own agenda that the Irish people tend to be very suspicious of outsiders. They call us blow-ins because we blow in and we blow out. And what we wanted to show is that the reason why we do what we do in, in many of the programs that are geared towards physical health, spiritual health, or mental health is because God loves us and he wants us to live whole lives. And in order to be genuine in what we do, we need to do it just because that's what Jesus would do. Are you trying to make me an Adventist? Is that what this is all about? These words were a bit of a shock to me, coming from my good friend and prayer partner last year. Convicted on the teachings of the scriptures on the topic of the Sabbath, my friend Kate went to speak with her pastor. After assuring her that we were no longer required to keep the Ten Commandments, he then warned her to do some research about our denomination on the internet. Seventh-day Adventists believe in following the Bible as closely as possible, using sola scriptura as the supreme authority in all matters of doctrine and practice. This includes keeping the moral law of the Ten Commandments, even as Jesus kept them and instructed us to do the same. Do not steal, do not lie, do not commit adultery, don't worship images, honor your father and your mother, keep the Sabbath holy, and all the rest, all ten of them. Jesus says, Blessed is he who does them and teaches others to do the same. My husband had noticed that something seemed to be bothering Kate when she had attended some of our programs in her home. 
I didn't really think too much about it until I received a phone call from her asking if she could come and talk to me the next afternoon. She sounded very upset about something. I knew that something must be wrong because she would never come over in the afternoon because she knows that I'm usually busy with homeschooling at that time of day. The next morning, as I was having my quiet time, I felt a strong impression about what she wanted to talk about. Three times, the same impression came to me. Sure enough, when Kate came over to talk, the first thing out of her mouth was exactly what the Lord had revealed to me that morning. I breathed a quick prayer for wisdom as I began to share with her once again the reason why we do what we do. I explained to her that God wants us to experience freedom in every area of our lives, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. He has called us to bring hope and healing by helping to lead people to the one who can help them grow in each area of their life. Our conversation lasted for about an hour as Kate had many questions about things that she had read on the internet, some true and some not true. I was thankful to God for having the opportunity to clear up any misconceptions she had about us and the work that we do. We were able to pray together before she left and the Holy Spirit reconnected our hearts once again. After she left, I sat on the couch somewhat stunned and shaken by the conversation we had just had and the idea of what if she had not com felt comfortable coming to me and talking with me about what she was struggling with. How easy it would have been for us to gently fade from her life. Did she really think that our friendship was just a way of getting her to join our church? Could a friendship of someone for years be destroyed? by one conversation with someone who is suspicious of my beliefs? It was a difficult thing for me to wrestle through after investing countless hours, energy, prayer, and a big part of my life. I felt that my motives were misrepresented and twisted into some kind of devious, well-planned scheme to lure in the unsuspecting. I felt misunderstood, but then, wasn't Jesus misunderstood? Jesus said, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. He didn't only love those who loved him back. He loved, lived, and died for those who nailed him to the cross. He died for those who agreed with him and those who didn't. He showed unconditional love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Doesn't that us include everyone? As Jen Holmberger put it, Christ gave his life for us, whether or not we joined his church or his religion. He gave his life for us without conditions. As followers of Christ, doesn't God want us to love people, minister to people, and invest in people, whether or not they join our church? Shouldn't our relationships be genuine without a hidden agenda? A few years ago, I spent some time studying the scriptures with some very nice ladies who came to my door. We soon became friends as we studied the scriptures together, although we did not agree on all points of doctrine. 
They became very interested in the programs that we offered and attended several of our health programs. After two years, they told me that they could not continue to come to my house because it was obvious that I was really happy in my beliefs. They walked out the door and virtually out of my life. Looking back on that experience, I have to ask, was I really their friend? Or was I only their friend if I believed the way that they did? Was our friendship conditional? It is so important that we be genuine in our relationships. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Our motivation in evangelism should be to connect them to Jesus, who can ransom their souls. But usually our motive is the desire to get others to believe as we do. The only way we can connect people to Jesus is to love them like Jesus, unconditionally. It is only as we invest time in loving people, meeting their needs, showing them Jesus in our lives, that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. If we are simply bringing people to church, sharing information, it's like taking someone to the hospital without actually introducing them to the doctor. By reflecting Christ to those around us, they become acquainted with the great physician who forgives all their sins and heals all their diseases. Living in a secular yet Christian culture can be a bit confusing at times. Many people want nothing to do with religion because they were never properly introduced to God. The God they have seen is not the God of love that the scriptures speak of. In fact, many of the atrocities recorded in this planet's history were committed in the name of God. But this is not genuine Christianity. This is not a converted heart. The only Christians they have ever known have raped them, abused them, taken advantage of them, or beat them over the head with the Bible, which they were never encouraged to read for themselves. Why would they want anything to do with this kind of religion? Truly, they are like lambs without a shepherd. These are the people who Jesus looks on with compassion. In these instances, actions speak much louder than words. It takes time to turn barriers into bridges. One friend of ours has actually known us for five years now. After meeting with this friend on a weekly basis, they have only recently began attending our scripture study group and worship service. They first had to fall in love with the Jesus that they saw demonstrated in our lives. Why do we do what we do? Because Jesus called us to do it. It's about people. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. In America, we don't tend to think of Ireland as the mission field. Yet Protestant Christianity makes up less than 3% of the population. Can you give us a little insight about what you and your husband do to reach out to the Irish people? My husband, Sean, ran a counseling office in our village, and he did individual counseling, marital counseling. He ran groups um, for the community um, in, the, in the areas of emotional health, relational health, um, and my role in that counseling office was a supportive role. I took on a vegetarian cooking class. 
I assisted in the um, supper clubs that we ran two times a month. I was very active in, in Bible studies uh, and also assisted in the exercise class that we ran for our local village. So there were many things that I was involved with and they all kind of link with one another as, um, as we worked with our friends to show them something better. If you feel missions may be the plan God has for your life, look us up online at afmonline.org. That's afmonline.org. Or call 800-937-4236 for more information. Thank you for listening to Frontier Missions Journal. God bless.